Let's do it. Okay. So tell us what we're talking about. Okay, oh. today it's President's Day, so we're going to do a presidential theme. So today I'm doing Ghosts in the White House. I use History.com, WashingtonPost.com, Wikipedia, WhiteHouseHistory.org. Bam. Okay. So, Jen, what? what house do you think is the most known house in America? The most known house in America, I would assume, the White House. I would hope so. Like, I just said it. It's also the most haunted house I thought house it was going to be a trick question. No. I don't do trick questions on the show. We're whiskey and wino. I don't have time for that shit. Bullshit. Okay. You do trick questions for me all the time. I do. Okay, so... It's it's the White House is the most haunted house in America. So the White House is located at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. It is occupied by President Joe Biden and his lovely <laughs> wife, Dr. Jill Biden, and their two German shepherds, Champ and Major. Every president since John Adams has lived in the White House. It was constructed in 19. I'm sorry, in 1792 and again in 1814 after the British burned it down in the War of 1812. So, bam, there's your facts. Next. What was the – didn't they have a killer renovation, though, like in the oh, yeah. 50s I didn't something? go over that. Every president has pretty much added on to it in one detail or another, like a bowling alley, a wing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of reconstruction. But they, like, took it down to the studs. Well, when the British burned it down, it was really down to the studs. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> We're not talking about the construction of it, all right? Okay, I'm sorry. Move on. I don't mean to be angry. This is like our eighth time doing this, so. (laughs) Okay. Only our seventh. It's fine. Oh, sorry. My seventh. So, one night in 1946, President Harry S. Truman was in bed, and around 3 a.m., he heard three knocks on his bedroom door. He went to the door, and no one was there. He went out in the hall. He looked both ways. And no one was there. He went into his wife's room and his daughter's room and found nothing. So he went back to bed and locked the doors. Then he heard footsteps upstairs or not upstairs in Bess's room. That's his wife. She was out of town at the time. And no one was there. So he alerted the Secret Service and they found that no one was there. He wrote all of this in a letter to his wife. Ending the letter with the damn place is haunted sure as shooting you sure and margie shooting. need to come home and protect me from some of these ghosts before they carry me off i'm this sorry actually asking for his wife to come save him and uh-huh. this is his the commander this yes. is the commander in chief yes <laughs> yes and this I just letter wanna... is actually archived in the truman library oh. I just want to make that really clear that it is always a woman who right? is fucking really right? in charge. Yes. Behind every good man is a better woman. That's right. Yep. So the ghost miss miss. <laughs> so we've had a few drinks before we started this because we started this so long ago. It feels like days. Mm-hmm. The ghost most often seen in the white house by numerous presidents and dignitaries and whatnot who stayed in the White House, is none other than President Abraham Lincoln. As we all know, what? Oh, I found that really fascinating because that's my story. I was hoping. Yeah. 
Good. Okay. So, as we all know, Lincoln's life was cut short by assassin John Wilkes Booth in 1865. That's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say about that. Fantastic. Grace Coolidge, who is the wife of President Calvin Coolidge, was the first person to say that she'd seen Lincoln's ghost. He was standing in the Oval Office looking out over the windows towards the Potomac River and the Civil War battlefields. Lady Bird Johnson, wife of President Linda B. Johnson, reportedly felt his presence once a night, once a night, not once a night, was one like, night. Wow. <laughs> every night he was there. They were in um, a committed relationship then. <laughs> right. So we might have to talk about this. Um, one night she was watching a TV program about his death and she could feel Lincoln's presence around her. So Lincoln's hmm. ghost is said to show up most frequently when the country is in turmoil. So during Trump's, it, he was probably always there. Not to be political. Um. Yeah, but Trump would never admit to it. No, he'd be like, there was no, he wasn't there. He never told me anything. And Melania probably was really excited for different company. Right. She's like, oh my God, can we talk? Yeah, sit down and stay a while. <laughs> So during Franklin Franklin D. Roosevelt's administration, he was spotted all the time because, you know, all these wars were going on. They had the Depression. There was all this stuff going on at the time. Mm -hmm. So First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt used the Lincoln bedroom as her study, and she felt his presence quite often in the late evenings, which is when she worked. Um, When she did feel him, their dog would be barking at nothing, would just be barking at molecules. So she always felt like he was really there with her. Eleanor's secretary saw him sitting on a bed in Lincoln's bedroom, pulling on his boots. She ran screaming from the bedroom. Yeah. Uh, Many staff members have caught him lying on the bed in his bedroom, just chilling, just hanging out. In 1942, Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands heard footsteps outside her door. And then a knocking at her door. She opened the door and there stood Lincoln in his frock and his top coat or top coat, top hat. He didn't have a top coat. He's not a nail. <laughs> um, and she immediately fainted. Wow. But this is personally my favorite Lincoln ghost story. So British Prime Minister Winston Churchill was staying in the White House and he had just come from a hot bath where he had been enjoying a glass of scotch and a cigar. He always he emerged... had baths. Uh-huh. Winston Churchill was always in the bath. Yes, he, had, he really he loved his bath, bath. For like 30% of his day. He had his <laughs> secretaries come in to his bathroom to dic- take dictation from it's him to write. You can't just stop at dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, came into his bathroom for dick. Well, I know. mean... Maybe there was, but hey, <laughs> that's not why they were in there. Yeah. So well, I was going to say to dictate, but then <laughs> I, I thought it was better to say to, 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 dic- to dictate. For Christ's Clear sake. He wasn't we've approved. Been re- we've been recording for two hours. <laughs> we're a little behind. Okay. Or a little ahead. I don't know. So. So he comes out of the bath all naked and only his cigar in his mouth. And there was President Lincoln standing by the fireplace, leaning on the mantle. 
Churchill, who was reportedly a very quick-witted man, he said, Good evening, Mr. President. You seem to have had me at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Lincoln smiled, and then he disappeared. That's funny. That is funny. I mean, that is quick-witted. You know, most people would freak out, and he's like, oh, hey, didn't expect you. Sorry, I'm naked. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have me at a disadvantage. I love that. He's like, they're shrinkage, okay? They're shrinkage. I was in the pool. <laughs> like, if it was a female, he would have totally explained the whole shrinkage thing. You know it. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, a seamstress, Lillian Rogers, once investigated the sound of someone walking in the room above her. Another staff member told her not to worry. It's just a pacing back and forth. He was hmm. very much known for pacing back and forth. So if you heard footsteps, they weren't alarmed. Um, his ghost was reportedly last seen in the 1980s by the White House operations foreman, Tony Savo, I almost said Tony Stark, <laughs> which would have been <laughs> badass. He would have been a great president. Um, For real. Tony Savoy. He saw Lincoln sitting in a chair at the top of the stairs. President Ronald Reagan said that their dog, Gumball, would go into every room in the White House except Lincoln's bedroom. And haha, he didn't have a dog named Gumball. His name was actually Rex. I was going to say... Um... I don't know any of the president's dog's names, but I was like, gumballs are really cute. Isn't dog it? Name. I, yeah. I thought the same thing. I was trying to remember what he loved. It was jelly bellies. It was jelly beans. Yeah. Jelly it beans. Was, yeah. Yeah. And he I had them. Like, like, and I wrote gumball and I was like, oh no, that's not it. And then I was like, I'm going to keep that in there for Jen. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I, I would, I don't know any of the dogs. His name was I, know his- I feel like he could have been a little more creative. Maybe um, Rex just spoke to him. Yeah. I mean, I bet he wanted a dog named Gumball. Bless you. So. <laughs> no, I'm choking. Oh, well, don't But thank die. you for blessing me. <laughs> it's working right now. Don't die. We can't do this again. I know, right? I just, I inhaled some wine. I thought maybe I should. <laughs> we're at the point we're just inhaling it now. I thought maybe I should just drown myself because today has been such an epic shit show. No. I think I'm good so, now. President Lincoln isn't the only Lincoln that actually haunts the the at the lighthouse. Oh my God! Is it the boy? The yes. Son? Yes, it is. Mm. Are you ready? Are you I have to, I have to settle myself. No, I just choked. I'm okay. now got what? But this is a really sad story. It is really more, sad. More so, I mean, I do obviously. It is for Lincoln as well, but Mary Todd. Mary Todd. Is, yeah. I feel like she, she would haunt three the or four sons. Yeah. She's that's not. Old, that's a lot. She had a fucking so, rough well, life. Well, President Lincoln and his wife, Mary Todd, were living in the White House. They lost their 11 year old son, Willie, to typhoid fever in 1862. Of course, Mary Todd was so grief stricken by the loss, she stayed in her room for weeks. It's been reported that Mary Todd frequently had seances in the Red Room trying to connect with her son. It seems to have worked. She claimed her son came to her bedroom most nights, would smile his little awkward boy smile, and sometimes he even brought his little brother, Eddie, who died from TB 12 years earlier when he was only three. Oh, my God. I have a side note. Go ahead. I was going to say I have an 11-year-old. And I 
when you say that he has that awkward boy smile, like I immediately, I mean, 11, 11 years old is very, very young to die, but it's Absolutely. very, very old from a mother's perspective. You've had them for 11. I mean, that's a long fucking time. The favorite. I don't want to say like favorite, but right. They really had a connection with this, this kid. And apparently, I mean, they both never really recovered. Yeah, um, well, when you have when you have kids that die young, I mean, I'm thank God before you I absolutely. I can't speak from experience, but it doesn't matter if they're one day old or if they're 37 years old. Like, it's a lot of time that you have with them. That once you have a kid, you don't really remember what happens before you had a kid. Like somehow they've just always been there. So. I totally understand that, like, even though it was only 11 years she had this boy, it's like a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Just a side note, their youngest son, Tad, they called him Tad because he was wiggly like a tadpole. I thought that was cute. Is that Um, serious? Yeah, that's true. What's his name? I wouldn't make that up. I would never make up anything about a dead kid. Um, he died from an illness at 18. I haven't been able to find out the illness. Um, so only their first son, Robert, lived to be 82. But anyway, her being able to see her sons gave her much comfort. So members of President Grant's administration reported seeing him, Willie, in the 1870s. And in the 1960s, President Johnson's college-aged daughter, Linda, Claims to not only have seen Willie, but she actually spoke to him. Oh, what did he say? Or she spoke to him. Couldn't find that. Did he speak to her? Or yeah, I I mean I don't know if she just spoke to him. I don't know. I wondered that too, but I couldn't find it anywhere. Linda, call us. Yeah, Linda. (laughs) Hey, I would love to hear your story. Um, so Dolly Madison was the first lady to President James Madison. She is said to haunt the Rose Gardens. She put in the rose gardens herself, and she tended them herself for the most part of the presidency, although that was kind of broken up because that's when uh, the British came in and burned down the White House. During Woodrow Wilson's administration, they were going to move the rose garden to another side of the White House. The staff members began to see Dolly Madison, and she was really angry at them. And then strange things kind of started to surround the rose garden. So they decided to leave it as is. Yeah. And just FYI, if you ever want to read about a badass woman, read about Dolly Madison because she's awesome. Hmm. She like literally brought ice cream to America. So that proves how awesome she is. Wow. She used to have these ice cream socials to bring the parties together. Like every Wednesday or something like that. Do you hear that, Jill Biden? Maybe that's. (laughs) We like ice cream. (laughs) Maybe if you invite. You know, the Republicans over for some ice cream, maybe a little hot fudge. My mom has a great homemade recipe. If you want to know it, just call me. Anyway, Abigail Adams, president, John Adams, wife, always hung her laundry in the East Room because it was the driest and the warmest room in the house. Wait, hold on. Abigail Adams didn't have someone to do her laundry. Maybe not then. Or maybe she just liked to do it herself. She needs a redo. You're right. I'm sure she did. I mean, I hate to say it, but slavery was inactive at the time or was active at the time. So 
I guess it was her jam. Slavery is not active. Fucking maids, like, you know, all of our presidents didn't launder their own fucking clothes. True. Good point. Well, we'll get to it. Okay. Kind of. She frequently is seen in her cap and her lace shawl heading towards the East Room, carrying a load of laundry. It is said you can smell wet laundry and lavender when she is around. Hmm. I just want to say I'd be pissed if I came back as a fucking ghost and I'm stuck doing laundry my whole goddamn rest of my eternity. No shit. And also you hate lavender. So I do hate lavender. I better smell like vanilla because I freaking hate (laughs) lavender. You would smell like vanilla cake. Yes, I should smell like cupcakes. That's exactly what I want to smell like in my afterlife. But it's like sad. That's the only time they ever see Abigail Adams is she's carrying laundry to the East Room. That's, That's her jam. That's some purgatory type shit. Right? I was wonder like, what, what did she did do, in Miss her Adams? Life. Yeah. <laughs> oh. In 1824, um, I wrote Jackson, which would be Andrew Jackson, was defeated by John Quincy Adams in one of the most contentious presidential elections in history. Huh. I bet we Until have that one now. <laughs> right. I bet we could beat that. Probably until Bush, Bush and uh, Gore. um, Gore. There it is. But I think definitely we can beat it this time. Yeah. Um, Although four years later, President Andrew Jackson was elected president. He still had a major grudge against anyone that supported President Adams. He is often heard swearing and stomping angrily in the Rose Room, which was the bedroom. He's throwing a Trump tantrum. Oh, totally. And his bedroom was, um, the Rose Room is where his bedroom was. So mm. that's who President Truman, who I originally spoke of the first story, mm-hmm. heard in the letter when he was writing to his wife, like, come protect me. Oh. It was probably um, President Jackson that was up there stomping and swearing. Apparently that's his thing. He swears and he stomps. So next we have Jenna and Barbara Bush, daughters to President George W. Bush. They shared a bedroom in the White House when they were from like away at college and they would come home, you know, Mm -hmm. with their twins and all. Um, So Jenna was on the Kelly Clarkson show recently and told her the ghosts of the White House were quite musical. (laughs) Huh. She tells a story of how her and her twin Barbara would have 1920s music coming from the fireplace. It happened on more than oh. one occasion. When they mentioned it to the staff, the staff was like, yeah, this place is haunted. You wouldn't believe the shit we've heard. <laughs> I bet. Which, speaking of musical ghost, Thomas Jefferson has been heard playing his violin in the yellow room. Huh. Like, that's pretty much all he does. So, I don't have much more all to say about, that, about him in particular. That's a fun afterlife. <laughs> Okay, so it's not only presidents who haunt the White House or their first ladies. David Burns is the one that sold the land where the White House sits. And for some reason, his voice is often heard in the Oval Office. This is all he says. I'm Mr. Burns. What? That's all he says. He just, I guess, wants you to know he's there, too. But everywhere I read this, it draws out the Burns. (laughs) Like... So I felt I had to say it that way. Um, There's British soldiers, British soldier ghosts that have been seen wandering the halls of the White House, most likely because there's the one that burned it down the first time. 
One soldier mm-hmm. in particular is still trying to light a bed on fire and finish his task. Oh, that's fresh hell right there. Right. Having to do the shit you failed at for eternity. Yeah. That's your thing. Just still trying to light it on fire. Oh, um, this one's kind of sad. Um, Anna Surrett bangs on the door of the White House every July 6th, demanding to talk to President Andrew Jackson. Is that Which, Mary? Yes. Very good. Did you just say Anna? Oh, I'll tell you. Yeah. I'll explain. Sorry. Meh. <laughs> I get I get it to it in my case, which is why I'm just saying. I figured you would. So I brush I just brush across it, but I had to mention Anna because she haunts the White House. When mm-hmm. she was alive, she begged Andrew Jackson for a pardon for her mother, Mary Surratt, who had been mm. accused of being a conspirator in President Lincoln's assassination. Jen will tell you why. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anna's pleas fell on deaf ears. Her mom was the first female executed by the American government. So now Anna continues to knock on that door, begging for her mother's life. Oh, boy. And I didn't want to end on a sad note. So <laughs> to leave on a happier note, President Coolidge had a pet pygmy hippo named Billy. And just so you know, you're five times more likely to be killed by a hippo than a shark. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, because, I mean, you're on land with a hippo. That's probably true. They're pretty fucking mean. People think they're all cute and lovable. They'll eat your fucking face, man. I've seen Juwanji. I know what happens. Mm-hmm. Right? That big me doesn't haunt the White House or anything? No, just the hippo, to- as far as we know, does not haunt the White House. Okay. That would be kind of scary, honestly. <laughs> I totally am picturing. Do you remember? And um, oh my god, I can't remember back. I want to say back to school, but that's not it. The Adam Sandler um movie where he goes oh, back to school. Billy Madison. There it is. Uh, when he sees the penguin, you know, and he's like chasing the penguin. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking <laughs> with, with a hippo. <laughs> oh, the life. All right, so I am going to cover this week in honor of President's Day and Abraham Lincoln's birthday, John Wilkes Booth. So I know we all know the story, but I'm just going to go into a little bit of a little history lesson. So John Wilkes Booth was the ninth child out of ten children, and his God, talk about middle child syndrome. <laughs> well. They're not all the same woman. Oh. So his father was a famous British Shakespearean actor named Junius Brutus Booth. So he was, his mother was Marianne Holmes, who was also a British Shakespearean actor. She and Junius, it's J-U-N-I-U-S. Junis, I don't know. I'll go with that. Um, they were not married, and in fact, tisk tisk. Yeah, Junis Brutus Booth was married to a woman named Adelaide Delaney, Delaney, whatever the fuck. So Delaney sounds good. So his parents were married on John Wilkes Booth's thirteenth birthday. Because I can't, I couldn't figure out why 
it took so long to divorce. So Adelaide lived in England, but Adelaide Delaney Booth was finally allowed to divorce her husband in 1851, which was 13 years after he had a baby. I mean, he had two kids with Marianne. And so it was grounds of adultery. I don't really understand why it took so long, but a little backstory on that whole affair was uh, Junis, the dad, met Mary Ann Holmes. While they were living in England, they began an affair. And when they wound up pregnant, they both skedaddled to America. Skedaddled. <laughs> yeah. So he clearly, he's, he sounds like a typical, like, Hollywood actor guy. You know, like, just doing whatever. He left the first wife, he got famous, and then he was like, see ya. Yeah. Well, no, he was famous when he oh, was married. Yeah. So they had Junis Brutus Booth Jr., Edwin Booth, and John Wilkes Booth. So, yeah, the ten out of ten children, it was split between two women. Or maybe more. I don't know. <laughs> um, so John grew up to be an actor himself because his mom was an actress. Dad was an actor. Oh, wait, do we not say actress anymore? Are they all actors? Whatever. I, hey, as long as they have best actress, I'm going with that. Yeah, okay. I'll go with that. That makes sense. So Edwin, uh, John's older brother, was a very famous actor as well. And he was the better actor by most accounts. But John made up for his less than professional acting with his looks. Apparently he was very famous with the ladies. He also, I mean, the, the amount of information that I read that had to do with his looks. I mean, he was like the Brad Pitt of everything. Like apparently he wasn't that good of an actor and he would routinely break character because he would like forget his lines or whatever. Are you saying but Brad Pitt's would... a bad actor? No, no, no. I just mean <laughs> the, like the looks like God, everybody, everybody's judged by his standard, you know, like apparently he's the guy. So his brother Edwin was very professional, always knew his lines was very, you know, whatever they were like complete opposites. And no one ever talks about Edwin's looks, like at all. It's always John's, you know, beautiful face and blah, like blah, blah. Like the Hemsworth brothers, there's like one that's like, I mean, compared to Chris and Liam, it's like, sorry. Yeah, you can't have three. That would no. Be well, I have three who are probably going to grow up to be very good looking. Oh, we'll absolutely. We'll see. There'll be one that's going to be uglier, though, just by comparison. There has to be. I was going to make a comment about one of my siblings, but I'm just going to shut my mouth. (laughs) You're already in a lot of trouble. Right. So because his father and his older brother, Edwin Booth, were both famous, he asked to be billed as J.B. Wilkes, kind of like Nicolas Cage and Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola? Coppola? Yeah. Um, So, I mean, a lot of famous people do that. You know, they want to make it on their own, right? Even though everybody who's anybody knows who they are, you know. Right, especially in Hollywood. 
Yeah. But still, he didn't want to be billed as like another booth. Um, and he was very charismatic and he would often ad lib and he was known to interact with the audience. If he forgot a line, he would kind of like what I was saying before, like he would just kind of make fun of it and then move on. And the audiences really love that. I mean, it's kind of the only entertainment that they had, you know, like live theater. So I'm sure audiences really love to be interacted with by the famous hot people. <laughs> um, in 19, in 19, in 1860, John was performing in Columbus, Georgia, and he was in a hotel and he was accidentally shot. Oops. And the man who shot him, his name was Matthew Canning. And reports vary as to the specifics, but the Inquirer slash Sun, which is not the Inquirer, like aliens are coming down, different paper. But they reported it was when he was in the dressing room preparing to perform in Hamlet that Matthew had come into the dressing room and pretended to shoot at John and another actor and the gun really went off shooting John either in the upper thigh or the butt. <laughs> so <laughs> he was out of the acting thing for several weeks. I did read, though, in an article on the ledgerinquirer.com that some think that it was due to his reputation as kind of being a ladies' man, and perhaps the shooting was not accidental. Ah. It was him fucking around with the wrong woman. But and I kind of I would agree with just the evidence that he was shot in the upper thigh or the butt. Who would pretend to f shoot a gun at someone if they weren't looking? You know, like the whole gag is they're looking and you, sh you know, you pretend to shoot them. Ha ha. Funny. If their back is turned and you can shoot them in the butt. You, it's not it's really not, funny. Not like, it's not funny anymore. Right. So I don't know, but it could have been deadly, you know, because it's 1860. Like, yeah, you don't have to. You could have hit like the femur uh, artery. Exactly. So it's, yeah, unfortunately, he did survive. Yeah, cause. unfortunately. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he lives. He lives for a little while, for just long enough to fuck around and. Change the course of our country, really. So, in exactly that transition, it brings us to the Civil War. In 1861, which was six months after he got shot, there was a pretty big rivalry between Edwin, his brother, and John, because Edwin was a huge union activist. So he was like all for the union, um, big supporter of Abraham Lincoln, and John sided with the Confederates, obviously. So, brother. yeah, he was known for siding with the South. He really agreed with slavery. And he thought that the South seceding was the right course of action. And so he did a lot of he did a lot of plays in the South Um where people loved him because he was supporting what they politically agreed with. And he was still doing a lot of shows 
um, in the North too. And he would get really upset that the audiences in the North wouldn't applaud him as well as the South. And it's like, yeah, dude, like you're, you're in the middle of the war and you're on the wrong side. Like, right. I mean, not even the wrong side, but you're in, I mean, it was so divided North South. If you're in the North and you support the South, like you, that's, you know, read the room. Like, right. Right. (laughs) So because of the people were calling for him to be banned, he would be in a theater group, you know, and that whole group would tour and do the shows. And so they would ask for him to be replaced during some of these shows, um, which they didn't do. But there was like a huge, you know, it was like the first cancel culture, maybe like they wanted him. They wanted him out. Um, but people enjoyed his work so much that largely they just kind of let it go. They were kind of like, you know, separate the artist from the art sort of situation. Like kind of Woody Allen syndrome. Exactly. So I think they just kind of let it go. Plus, I mean, it's 1861. Like, what are you going to do? You can't. I mean, there's no Facebook or like, you know, uniting a bunch of people to all say the same thing. Like. I'm sure it was easy for things to fizzle out because as soon as you went to the next town, nobody had heard shit. So they don't. Right. He was a very in-demand actor. And when John T. Ford opened up the famous Ford Theater um, in November of 1863, he had asked John Wilkes Booth to be one of the first leading men in the theater. So he played in the Marble Heart. I don't know what that's about. But That was in 1863, and Lincoln came to see the play with his son, Tad, and Tad really was into Booth, like loved him as an actor. Oh, how I fucking ironic. Yeah. Oh, Um, it's terrible. So there's some reports that Lincoln's sister-in-law was at the play with them, and she commented that Booth was like being really personable with um, Lincoln. Like he would kind of, if he was pointing to the audience, he would point right to Lincoln's face. Or if he was like, he was, he was very interested in playing to him. Now, I don't know if that's because he was the president. Obviously now we know why, but, right. um, huh. but she says that she remembered making a comment to Lincoln. Like, wow, he's really, you know, he's got it out for you today or whatever. Um, but then the reports were saying that she wasn't asked about it until long after he was assassinated. Spoiler alert. So we don't know so, if it was embellished or anything. Exactly. So there's no real, you know, it's possible that he being such a presence, you know, Booth was such a presence on stage and he interacted with the audience a lot. It's possible at that time he really didn't hate Lincoln. He just, you know, didn't like him per se, but, you know, who knows. So also around this time, he had joined with a man called John Eisler, who was a friend. They invested some money into land for oil. And they were consistently getting oil. Wikipedia stated that they were getting around 25 barrels of crude oil a day. I'm not quite sure what that really means, but they wanted more. 
and they wanted more fast. So <laughs> they decided to use explosives. And they <sighs> fucked the whole thing. They exploded it and it ruined the thing <laughs> or whatever. And the whole thing collapsed and the well stopped production. Oh, so smooth move. Yeah. Uh-huh. He had invested six thousand dollars into it so in today's money that would be a hundred and twenty four thousand five hundred sixty two and eighty six cents um which definitely you know it hit him a little hard but he was reportedly making around twenty thousand dollars a year at this time which in today's money would be four hundred and fifteen thousand two hundred nine dollars and fifty two cents so yeah, it it did, you know, a hundred thousand dollars out of four hundred thousand dollars. It's like, yeah, it's manageable. Yeah, that's a lot. That's gonna hurt a little bit. Yeah. But I also don't think back then actors um had like huge lavish homes. You know, like I imagine that their cost of living was probably slightly less because they traveled and, be, you know, oh, houses true. just weren't that big. I mean, That's I'm sure that it, there are mansions, but I, I, they didn't have, you know, electricity everywhere. And, like, you know, it's just cost of living is a little bit different. However, it thoroughly pissed him off, obviously. Mostly because it was his dumbass fault that it fucking did. Like, he could have just left it. One of the theories is that this financial upset led him to be even more pissed off. It was pretty clear at this point that the South was not, it wasn't obvious they were going to lose the war. Having Lincoln win his second term was not good for the South. Like it just, it was bad. So this coupled with his oil shit, you know, he's toddler tantrum. You know, like I'm going to make Lincoln pay because he is, you know, messing my life up. Right. The more history, you know, the more you realize that the human condition itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's only, you know, so many emotions. They're expressed in completely different ways. But it's like, you, you know, greed. You're pissed off. You, you know put your blame on on the wrong person and it just builds up and festers. So he confided in his sister Asia that because of his status as a famous actor, he had been smuggling anti-malarial malaria drugs, um, quinine to the troops of the South because he wasn't getting checked as thoroughly through the stops and, you know, that sort of thing. So he was smuggling the drug to help keep the, the soldiers in the South from dying of disease. So another thing, again, that has not changed since 1863 was he was arrested for saying he wished the president and the whole damn government would go to hell. Oh, wow. He got arrested. People say that kind of shit. Oh, God, on Facebook a billion times a day. Yeah. Wow. So, Yeah, that's not the part that's the same because people say that shit all the time. But the thing that's the same is he was let go right after his arrest because he paid a very substantial fine and he 
allegedly promised his allegiance to the union. So he was like, I'm not going to do it again. And I bend the knee. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Fair Game of Thrones. I bend the knee. Sorry, Cleasy. So he was all for spouting his mouth off, too. But when he caught, when he caught, when he was caught, he would back right the fuck down. Like he would say his shit. And then as soon as somebody like with authority questioned him, he'd be like, no, no, I'm like, well, I'm on your side. There's nothing to see here. Right. He became engaged to Lucy Lambert Hale, whose father was a senator from New Hampshire. Uh, this was a secret. Apparently her mother knew about it. I don't know that the father knew about it. They ended up getting married, so I don't know exactly how that worked. He but caught on eventually. <laughs> right. Uh, do senators live in Washington and then they go back home? Who, yes. who are those? Okay, so maybe he was out of town all the time. Like, so he right, didn't right, know? Right, maybe. He was hanging out in D.C. Yeah, I don't know. In 18, 18- <laughs> they couldn't send a telegraph. They're like, he'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. And apparently Lucy had no idea that her fiance hated Abraham Lincoln so much. I don't like he seems pretty fucking vocal. I don't know. Right? How he didn't catch on. Um, 1864. Booth and two of his friends, Samuel Arnold and Michael O'Laughlin, met at the Parker House in Boston to talk about their plan to kidnap President Lincoln. They wanted to kidnap him and then exchange him for all of the Confederate prisoners of war. So he was going to hold the fucking president of the United States hostage so he would give the Confederates because they felt that if they could get their soldiers back, they had a better chance at winning the war. Like there was too many that were. <laughs> they needed backup. Yeah. They were running out of guys. Apparently they're all <laughs> falling dead, you know, from malaria. And uh, the kidnapping obviously did not happen. And this was for several reasons. One, this guy Booth is just a tool. Like, he just, he sounds like a 12-year-old boy. Like, I'm mad. I'm going to fucking kidnap the president. Um, Yeah. Nobody captured that voice that I just said because I'm going to go to prison. (laughs) (laughs) So if you take that out of context. I'll back you up. Because I have a lot of pull, oh. you know. Yeah, sure. Probably just as much pull as I do. We'll go to prison together. Uh, I probably. <laughs> <laughs> There's something. All right. So, yeah, it didn't happen because they had decided where. They got drunk Lincoln. and woke up. <laughs> no, where Lincoln was supposed to be when they were going to kidnap him. He didn't show up. To that spot. So it was like, I can't figure, it's like, we'll go to him. I don't understand. Anyway, um, and then a few weeks later, Richmond fell to the Union, and apparently it didn't take much for him to get discouraged and abort the plan 
Like, oh, you didn't show up here, I guess. Well, I guess that wasn't meant to be. Not going to do it. Next. But it did lead to more buildup of his feelings because the South was losing the war. And feelings. Yeah. And that couldn't go unpunished. And <laughs> he I didn't think, show up. And I'm not okay with that. Yeah. He's so he's everything. You know, it's it's that mindset, how people I mean, really how people decide to murder people. They start blaming this one person for everything. And if that one person would go away, their life would be grand, which is never the case. Uh, but, but that's a good analogy. He's totally in his head that if if President Lincoln would just die, everything would be fine. Like we could still have slaves and fucking, you know, be stupid. I don't know. Uh, Some of his buddies came up with a new plan. So they were going to kill President Lincoln, Vice President Andrew Jackson and the Secretary of State William Seward. So this was kind of like, remember how we were talking last week about the St. Valentine's Day massacre, how they needed to take out like the top top guys. So they wouldn't just keep playing, doing whatever Lincoln did, Jackson would follow through with. Right. Exactly. So they thought that if they killed these three people, the country would be in such a state of chaos and panic to fill these positions and, you know, to, because they're in the middle of a war. Like you can't not have a president in the middle of a war. Um, they thought it would stop the war so that they could figure out who was in charge. <laughs> like I know hey, everybody stop shooting. We got to vote. Yeah. Well, and you're fighting each other. How the fuck are you going to find a new president? And they're probably not going to vote for the same person you want to vote for. <laughs> yeah. And clearly things were not thought through. Um, so they were going to do this April 14th. They had learned that President Lincoln would be at the Ford's Theater to see our American cousin. They were going to kill all of these men simultaneously. So Lewis Powell was going to take out William Seward. Um, George Atzerod was going to take out Andrew Jackson. And then um, Booth was going to take out Lincoln. So he was at a pub that was right next to Ford's theater and need a little liquid courage. No, he was there drowning his sorrows because once again, his plan didn't go in the way it was supposed to. So Lewis Powell went into William Seward's house and just fucking melee attacked him with a knife, just like ran up and started stabbing. (laughs) So he survived. Oh, he was stabbed several times. And then I guess Lewis Powell decided, you're going to die. I'm leaving. Like, didn't want to make sure that he had, you know, done the job. I mean, after that, you're you're going to die whether this dude dies or not. You might right. as well stick around and make sure the job's really done. And then. I didn't know that, though. I don't remember learning George, that in history. Yeah. Uh, George Atzerod pushed out. He didn't even attempt uh-huh. to kill Andrew Jackson. He was well, going he knows. to. He was an asshole. He would be stomping and swearing. He was going <laughs> to fuck you up. Yeah. I wouldn't mess with Andrew Jackson. <laughs> no way, man. No way. So 
he, yeah, he didn't even attempt it. And this is the information that Booth got that George Atzerod was like, I'm not doing it. So he was at the bar drinking like, fuck, this isn't going to work. I don't think he knew about William Seward at that time that he had been stabbed. So I think he just thought we fuck, we fucked up and nothing's going to go, you know, it's not going to work out. But then he heard from the talkings, you know, at the bar or whatever that Abraham Lincoln was at the theater and that he was in his presidential private box. And so around 10 PM, like 10, 15 ish, John Wilkes Booth went to President Lincoln's private box. Um, I always assumed, and I don't know why, that he was acting that night. I did, too. I did, too. But he wasn't. But because of his actor status, he basically had run of the place. Everybody knew who he was, so he could walk around where other people weren't permitted. You know, he could go behind the suite. So he shot the president in the back of the head because he's a fucking pansy and clearly, you know, wasn't going to shoot him in the face. No, wasn't going to let him see him coming. Yeah, he did. He ran into uh, Major Rathbone, Rathbone, uh, Major Henry Rathbone, who was there with his fiance in the booth with Lincoln. And when he saw Booth brandishing a gun, he Major Rathbone lunged at him with a knife. He he was injured himself. And I don't know if it's when he went to like whatever, but Rathbone was stabbed. No, he was stabbed. Uh, So I don't know if Booth took the knife or if everybody just carried around knives. So he had his own knife (laughs) along with his gun. He had his own sword. Who knows? Yeah. But it all happened so fast that Lincoln got shot anyway. He jumped out of the box down on the stage below and he yelled, Six Semper Tyrannis, uh, the South is avenged after he shot Lincoln. And Six uh, Semper. In your face. Yeah. Um, Six Semper Tyrannis means ever thus to tyrants. So. Because apparently everybody fucking knows Latin back then. Of course. Don't you know Latin? Um, Semper Fi. I don't. So then he fled the theater. And it's well believed that he broke his leg um, jumping when he jumped down to the thing. Really doesn't thick shit through, does he? (laughs) No, he doesn't. But according to a historian, Michael Kaufman, in his book, um, American Brutus, John Wilkes Booth and Lincoln Conspiracies. He says that he believes Booth was uninjured when he ran out of the theater and later broke his leg when his horse tripped and fell on him as they were riding away. I wrote <laughs> as they were driving away. <laughs> they <weren't riding. laughs> I think the horse was on the union side, too. And he's like, you know what, asshole? Yeah. So whatever the case was, his leg was broken. And he was leaving Washington. So President Lincoln had a really fucking awful death. Bad night. He was not killed instantly. He did not die until close to 7.30 a.m. the next morning. I didn't know that. I thought it was killed instantly. No, he had been carried to a lodging house that was like kitty corner from the theater. And he was laid up there 
and doctors tended to him throughout the night and trying to make him just as comfortable as possible because they're like he's not he can't he's not coming back from this like he was in a coma he wasn't awake he just was still breathing um yes horrible so booth went to virginia on his horse with david harold they went to the home of dr samuel mudd who fixed up booth's leg as best he could do you think that's why they say my name is mudd No, but interestingly enough, Hmm. a lot of people think that because even so much so that people will say your name is Mud, um, and when they're writing it, they'll use M-U-D-D, which is Dr. Samuel Mud's last name. It's not just M-U-D. But there has been written documentation of people saying your name is Mud 60 years before this. Oh, so okay. it's not, but it it does make sense because Dr. Mudd, his reputation never, he was never charged with anything because they couldn't prove that he knew anything, you know, because oh, there's right. no texting. It's not right. like somebody You're called him. You're not putting him. it up on Facebook, right? You're right. So it's papers. possible. I think it was just, there was enough, there was enough doubt to say it's possible he didn't know. Um Who's to say Booth didn't tell him when he got there? But, I mean, if you're a doctor and somebody comes to you with a broken leg and they just say, you know, my horse fell on me or I tripped. It's not uncommon, per se. Right. So he fixed his leg up and then Booth and Harold rode off. And Oh, and they they let him stay overnight. So I think he was charged for, well, I don't know, actually. I don't think he was charged. I don't I'll have to look at that. So April 26th, which is less than two weeks later, Union troops caught Booth and his friend and companion on the run, David Harold. They caught him in a barn and troops <laughs> told them they could either come out or they could stay in there. But either way, they're going to burn the barn down. <laughs> like <laughs> they you probably want to come out. No, and they were not playing. So David Harold took the threat and surrendered. He was like, I'm out. I'm not doing this. Booth, I don't know if he thought that they weren't going to do it and or he whatever. He just decided he was going to stay in there. So the Union troops lit their shit on fire. (laughs) And then just for good measure, Corporal Boston Corbett shot and killed him. Oh, like. They were just. I didn't get to burn you, so you're dead. Yeah, they were not fucking around. Yeah, and that's the end of Booth's story. He died. I don't think anyone really cared. Like, honestly. What about Mary? You didn't mention Mary. Oh, I will. I will. Oh, Um, okay. I thought you were going to say, wait a minute. (laughs) No, I think, like, the police brutality sort of situation um, was not. Nobody cared that this corporal just went and. Shot him. Yeah, I mean, he's not president. No one's going to give a fuck what you do to the guy. Yeah. Well, and it's so new in our country. I mean, it's almost 100 years since the founding of the country. I don't think I don't think there would have been a reason to make him come and, like, explain his conspiracy or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they were thinking that way. So they just. Was he the first president assassinated? 
I think he was. I'm I don't looking know. it up. I have no idea. So oh. David Harold, Mary Surratt, um, Mary Surratt, who you briefly talked about, they all these men met at her house when they were doing He was the first. Care. Oh, okay. They were um when they were hatching their plans, when they oh. talked about the kidnappings, when they organized all this stuff, they would meet at Mary Surratt's house. And I think the daughter was trying to stop the hanging because um she was trying to say that sh- that Mary didn't know that's what they were doing. You know, that she just had this house and people would come in and she would help, you know, it's colonial times. Like people would just go over to people's houses and stay over, you know, like if you were going to leave after dark, it's like, no, just stay here. Um, well, didn't she have a boarding house? Wasn't that what it was? I, I didn't know if it was a boarding house or if she, she had kind of like a tavern type of thing, like a bar in there. Like it was kind of open, like a dining room. They didn't have restaurants back then. So I I, I, I wrote that it was a boarding house, but I don't know how accurate that was. But I, I wrote boarding house. That makes sense then. Uh, but I mean, clearly they had enough information. Right. They figured I mean, it out pretty, pretty quick. They they weren't in the habit of hanging women back then. No. Like, I don't think anyone really thought a woman could do something that would warrant a hanging. Like they were just dainty old fucking whatever. Unless they were witches. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lewis Powell and George Ax- Axerod were hanged July 7th, 1865. So, all four of huh. them were hanged. You didn't even follow through, you loser. <laughs> you still hung. Yeah. I know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying about the Suck other it. guy, Lewis Powell. It's like he didn't kill um, whatever the Secretary of State. Wait, what? What was his name? I don't know. They didn't. He didn't kill him. But it's like, yeah, dude, you're going down for yeah. this. Like, you might as well just do it. Um, maybe his ghost is constantly failing at murdering people. <laughs> like that one <laughs> guy loser. burning dead. <laughs> Deadbeat. They're all uh, story. Interesting thing that I noted. He had a pet uh, and this is the last bit. No. Nib gumball. Gumball. <laughs> Jelly belly. Um, That'd be a great name for a hippo if you think about it. Jelly belly. Yeah. I bet they're solid, though. Yeah, Ooh, I agree. Hippo solid. Like armor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just had a terrifying thought. What if they were, like, armadillo? That were that big. Oh, fuck. Like the armor. That would be really that scary. That would really change Hunger Hunger Hippo for me. Yeah. I mean, there would be less on the roadside in Texas if they were that big. <laughs> They'd be dead in semis and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Um, David Harold's neck didn't break when he was hung. So oh. it took about five or more minutes for him to be strangled to death. Oof. Yeah. Hey, play super games, you win super prizes. No shit. I also found it weird that David Harold didn't have a part in the whole thing, 
but yet he was on the run with Booth. Right. Like, That's why when have... you were saying companion, I was thinking, I wonder. Yeah. Maybe they were, you know, more than friends. It's possible. I mean, I don't. It, I mean, I'll be honest, Jen, if, if you should have president, I don't know if we can hang out anymore. I love you, I'm but <laughs> not running away with you. <laughs> yeah, like no offense. <laughs> no, that would be terrible. Don't do that. Um, I don't plan on it. I'm, I'm good. If we lasted the last four years without doing it, I think we can continue. <laughs> right. Biden's <laughs> very safe with me. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, that's that. That's my. My take on Booth. I did find some interesting things I that I didn't know about. Very interesting. Because, you know, all you hear in school is, you know, an actor shot him. So we all kind of, like, I assumed Lincoln died right then and there. I assumed he was acting that day. There's a lot of well, things. Especially, especially because most things that we learn about are centered around Lincoln. I mean, he was such an amazing person you know, historically that that's where all the focus is on, which it should be. He's the victim, but yeah, I thought I'd take a spin on president's day and talk about the assassin instead of the assassinated. (laughs) Well, that's what you do. It's true crime. (laughs) Yeah. To my knowledge, I don't think Lincoln killed anybody. No, not that I know of. I don't know. My Google is going to be really fucking interesting on my Google history. <laughs> I'm going to start. <laughs> I know. Assassinations. Yeah, that's never going to go over well. <laughs> I'm going to have to Google. Did President Lincoln kill anybody? <laughs> that is kind of a random. That's something I would do at three in the morning. I'd be like, you know what? I'm wondering. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like me. That's why I look up octopus facts. She's like, why are you looking that up? I don't know. Yeah, she sends me th- information about octopus, and I'm like, wh- wh- why? Like, wh- there's no, there was no context. There was n- nothing. So last, before I li- moved out of California, I went over to my friend Victoria's house, and she had these, like, steel glasses, but they kept her drink so freaking cold. Like, they were amazing. Like, the ice cubes mm-hmm. never melted. Your drink was cold. So I got some, but mine have octopuses on them. Octopi, uh, octopus. It's octopus. And I'm totally obsessed with these glasses. Like, everyone knows in my house, you do not touch them. Like, they were each 20 bucks. They were expensive. Wow. I mean, for a fucking glass. Yeah. But I love them. And if anyone touches, I'm like, don't freaking drink out of my octopus glass. So I'm on this octopus thing right now for no apparent reason at all. I think they're aliens. I get it. I just bought an octopus opal necklace. Huh. <laughs> Jen's like, I don't even know how to respond to that. I got you a magic one. These are our friendship octopus necklaces. <laughs> we can have eight friends. That's right. One arm. Well, there could be eight of us. <laughs> Man, that's really going to be a problem for me. We think Mark we Ronald's just, wear one. <laughs> we can just each have four. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. All right. That's funny. Well, we hope everybody has a safe week. Yeah, watch out for all those ice storms and people that electricity and 
man, it's been a and rough week. <laughs> Fucking twenty twenty one. Yeah, don't. Uh, he, I keep reading all this stuff. People are lighting like charcoal grills in their house. God. Carbon carbon monoxide. Don't do that. Poisoning. Yeah, there's a reason grills are outside. Yeah, don't don't do that. Oh, all I those just pile up on like the freeways and stuff. Like the hundred and two car piles up, pile pile ups. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah, I'm not allowed to is. drive. My mom and my husband have been driving me around. <laughs> Whatever, I'm. Well, I have no shame. That's all right. I'm really saving speaker. other people. I'm saving other lives. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Then. Stay safe. Be fine. Ciao. Bye.